What's up, family? You are tuned into Law and Disorder, a podcast where we expose the cracks in our system, agitate for resistance, and collectively build a new world in which all of us can thrive. From KPFA Radio and the Pacifica Network, I'm your host, Kat Brooks. As we turn our attention now to Kalamazoo, Michigan, where a movement organizer and mama is headed to trial for defending the people. We're joined today by Monica Washington Padula, an Afro-Native and movement organizer mobilizing in Black and Native communities. She's the mother of six, I believe, and a professional multi-instrumentalist musician. Monica is being charged with four felonies and a misdemeanor for what police describe as assaulting two officers. Good morning, Monica. Thank you so much for joining us. Good morning. Thank you for having me. For sure. And correct me on the number of babies you have. I couldn't tell by the timeline. It looked like you were, you had five and then you were pregnant when, when a lot of this was moving towards trial. Is six yes, now? I have six, six beautiful five, babies? Six children. Mm-hmm. Six beautiful babies. Monica, Thank you are you. new to the L&D Airwaves. Tell our folks a little bit about yourself and your history as an organizer and activist. Sure. Good morning, everybody. I'm here just to uh, share and whatever awareness that I can raise for what's happening in our small town of Kalamazoo, Michigan. Our um, One of our indigenous names for the area is Kiknamazo. Kiknamazo. So we are, um, as someone who is, as you mentioned, Afro-Indigenous, I'm Afro-Anishinaabe. So my people have been in this uh, area working um, together as confederated peoples of the three, five, um, for a very long time. And so um, actually the area, the city that I live in is, I consider to be unceded territory um, of folks who ended up treating but had their land taken without any type of compensation or um, any arrangement for compensation. So the land was stolen as all the land was. Um, And so as I've continued to grow and learn more about myself and decolonize myself, I've grown closer to understanding the histories of both of my people and um, connecting to the people has been the root source of what has helped me to understand what I believe my responsibility to be um, to um, resist the injustice and uh, the oppression that I see happening. Um, So that is how we got here. So, yeah, so let's let's take that politic and let's apply it to October, I believe, of 2021 when you were um, acting as uh, a defender of unhoused folks in the face of a violent uh, encampment eviction, something that is not foreign yeah. to my listeners. We're dealing with it right now mm-hmm. in the city of Oakland. Walk us through the events of that day, Monica. Mm-hmm. I was new to understanding how... Um, being unhoused was a result of um, capitalism, but overall, uh, overall colonization. Uh, being that um, our native folks were the first, you know, unhoused to be displaced and pushed out of our homelands. Um, and so, to us, living on the land is not anything new. In fact, part of our cultural root is having a right relationship with the land. And this is for indigenous rooted people all over. This is for, you know, uh, African descended people and African folks. This is for anybody that has an original ancestral root to a, um, a landmass and a, a stewardship with that land. Um, and so just recognizing what was happening to people who had very little and everything that they had was just being thrown away, destroyed in front of them. And then they were being basically moved from, um, from curb to curb. And this was happening with such frequency, um, the um, 
what what I, what I know about stress and what I know about being stressed and being in, and engaging with police during those high stress uh, times, along with the insecurity of not having consistent um, a consistent place to stay, especially if you're living outside and you're going to be ambushed any moment by militarized police. That to me signaled that at any moment there could be an escalation where someone is, um, you know, where their life is at risk. And so knowing that a lot of the folks that were in these encampments or were trying to stay um, discreet, knowing that a lot of people were um, black and native or Latina, um, this really stood out to me. Um, and the area that these folks were on was in a redlined area of town on the east side. Um, this is mostly black and brown people. So to come into that area and um, the very organizations that were supposed to be providing them resources actually turned around and decided to ask for the city and police help to evict them was astounding for us to find out. And so we went to challenge that and it was different organizers from different organizations um, or citizens that were just wanting to stand up and say, I'm not down with this. You know, like this is violent. Like this is, this, this isn't right. Right. Uh, it doesn't matter how much education you do or don't have. You can feel and sense right and wrong. And when you see something that's happening and causing pain and so much stress to fellow humans, especially when, um, you know, again, with what little they have, it's being taken or ripped from them every couple few days and they're being forced to move around and treated like they're second class citizens. Um, you know, you know that that's not right. Something about that doesn't sit right with your spirit. Um, so that day I went out to, because they asked for help, from the community. They asked the community to pay attention. They asked the community to stand by them. And so I went out to see what I could learn and how I could learn to be a better ally. And, and it was right after that, <laughs> just getting out there so I could learn how to do better that um, I got caught up in uh, what turned into a, a I can't breathe moment. And I say that because as we have watched so many black folks um, be unalive by police due to uh, positional asphyxiation or due to um, being injured to such an extent that the lack of being treated medically leads to the risk of death or death itself. Um, that is what I'm describing that I saw. And so um, when an, a fellow black activist was, was taken down, the takedown and the arrest left them in respiratory distress. And I responded immediately as a bystander at that time. And so at that time, uh, my, my focus had shifted from activism to being a bystander, watching someone who needed medical care and they were not being given medical care. Um, and so as I was advocating for that care and intent on recording, I was antagonized by a white female police officer who was the sergeant um, at that um, action. And she ended up um, assaulting me, but then turning around and saying that I hit her um, because I was carrying a flag. So they used me carrying a flag to say that I assaulted her with my flagpole. Um, she maced me in my face without any type of instruction that I was under arrest. So at that point, I'm responding as an individual who is being attacked by another individual. And um, so I defended myself by returning mace spray to get distance from her. And uh, mm -hmm. during that time, I was so disoriented about what was happening that um, I didn't realize until I went back and watched the video what happened. But what happened was after I had been um, grabbed and maced, the other activists instinctively worked to de-arrest me. 
And when they did that, um, I didn't know that that was happening because my eyes were closed to protect my eyes as much as possible from the spray. Um, and so as I was spraying to get distance, another officer ran around to then pick me up and body slam me on the ground. And I had three white male officers holding my body down in some way to arrest me. Again, me not even knowing that this is happening because I'm disoriented. And I had knees on my back and upper body for 12 seconds and I couldn't breathe. So, you know, as I struggled not to panic because panic leads to struggle, which leads to a high risk of death for our people. Um, you know, when that pressure was finally alleviated and I could take in a breath, um, you know, I said whatever I had to say to be able to, to sit up and be able to get more air in. But I believe that um, the officers here are routinely um, using excessive force and especially forms of um, of positional takedowns that prevent us from breathing in a, a way that terrorizes us and causes us to struggle so that they then have uh, reasons to criminalize us for that biological struggle to preserve our lives. And so that's how I'm um, being charged with <laughs> four felonies and a misdemeanor. Four felonies and a misdemeanor. And Monica, what kind of consequences are you facing should you be found guilty? If I am found guilty by a jury, um, it could be a minimum two to maximum 17 months as I don't have any prior criminal record. Um, but what this has done over the course of 18 going on 19 months now is yes, I did have a pregnancy and did give, give birth. I delivered my, my sixth baby at home, um, surrounded by, um, doulas who are from my cultural communities. And that was probably one of the most restorative things that I could have done during that time of being, um, continuing to have to go through this, um, trauma, political oppression. Um, and so with that, a lot of people are concerned that I could be incarcerated for a time and be taken out of the home. But as I've explained to my family, my children that, um, you know, I stand by what I did. And I also encourage my community that when it comes to your life, you have the right to breathe and you have the right to uh, make sure someone else next to you can breathe. And I stand on that unapologetically. Uh, we're tired of watching people die in front of us from feeling that it puts our lives at risk to advocate for them. So whatever the jury decides, it will definitely show the state of where the, the mindset towards black and brown um, people's will to live, you know, what that attitude is towards us. And I'm, and I'm willing to take it there to see how that shows itself. And Monica, I believe you just answered what was going to be my next question. If I'm, if I read correct, you were offered a plea deal and you said, no, you're, you're choosing to take this to trial. That's correct. That is correct. Mm-hmm. I what was offered baby a plea say? deal. Um, no, you the, go ahead. The plea deal was unsatisfactory to me because I was offered two pleas. The first plea that was offered several months ago was to accept the felony for felonious assault with a dangerous weapon, which was OC self-defense spray, um, that the other officer ran into, who I couldn't see, didn't know he was there. Um, and so they wanted me to accept that in, in exchange for dropping the other charges. I said, I won't, I won't plead to a felony. And then they offered me uh, just last week uh, two misdemeanors. Uh, they wanted to change one of the counts of felonious assault 
at the last minute to being use of OC, incorrect use of OC spray. So I just, I just refused it. I said, I want to have my trial and uh, I want to be able as my, um, the public defender that's defending me said, if we don't go to trial, the story doesn't get told. And this is a really important story. And she knows how I feel about making sure that, um, even if it's a risk to defend ourselves and others, that we know that we have that human right to breathe. And we also have the human right to advocate for what militarized police and local and national government are doing to our most vulnerable citizens who are unhoused, because that is still happening, uh, even as they've selected people for political oppression. Monica, what are your babies saying, your children? They understand actually especially the older ones um my older two were going to attend trial with me but the trial was then rescheduled due to several trials that are going on uh and so it's been delayed yet another month um but i wanted them to see how the court works using the the personal you know example that i'm going through um just to see how it works because i think that that will be definitely a very informational but also life-changing experience to help them confront bias that exists towards black and native people that get funneled through the court systems and the injustice system. Um, And I told them again that I, you know, stand by what I did. So I think that that confidence and that um, continued advocacy of why what I felt I did was a very normal and human response. I think that that is the bigger lesson that they're not going to forget as they continue to grow. So I believe that I have their support. And Monica, in our last 60 seconds, how can the community support you, the broader community? What do you need? I would say that if you can follow um, Black Lives Matter KZOO, K-Z-O-O-B-C, um, you can find more of the ways that the community is working to continue to support me as I continue to wait for trial. Um, there are several things that have been put out, such as the Change.org petition, the community letter that anyone can sign on to, as well as just keeping people informed of ways that we're pushing back on the prosecutor to drop these charges. So um, if folks have ideas, they're welcome to contact that page and it'll get to me that way. All right, Monica Washington Padula, thank you so much for your advocacy and and fight uh, for our folks and for coming on the show this morning. Absolutely. Thank you for having me and power to the people. You've been listening to Law and Disorder, a podcast where we expose the cracks in our system, agitate for resistance, and collectively build a new world in which all of us can thrive. That's it for this episode, family. You can find more information about topics and guests in this episode's show notes. Law and Disorder is produced at KPFA. That's listener-supported radio on the Pacifica Network. The show is produced by Jesse Strauss and hosted by me, Kat Brooks. Our theme music was composed by Steve Raskin of Fort Knox Five. If you like what you heard, please follow us on social media at Law and Dis, that's D-I-S, and subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. Feel free to holler at us about something you heard or send us a show idea at lawanddisorder at kpfa.org. You can also find our content live at 8 a.m. weekdays on KPFA. That's 94.1 FM in the Bay Area. Our show and all of KPFA's programs are funded exclusively by you, the listener. And if you're in a position to support us, please donate today at kpfa.org. Take care of yourself and take care of each other. We all we got, fam. <laughs>